What is up? Welcome to the Heart Guide Media Presented Sight and Sound Podcast. Uh, Eric and I are live streaming right now, and we're doing 30th anniversary of Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. Francis Ford Coppola. Now, 30, 30 years of this movie. It's been out for 30 years. Um, it seemed uh came out 30 years ago, 1992, November 13th. And you got it. I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> uh, she's supposed to be watching the Buzzcut Kid, that H three. She sold them out. Welcome, anyway. welcome. Uh yeah, it comes out in November thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. Thirty years later, here we are. Uh arguably one of the best adaptations of Dracula. Some might even say the best adaptation of dracula yeah i mean a lot of people really hold this film in high regard i, th- I would say that it's you know of, of the adaptations i would say it's probably one of the best if not the best for sure i mean this... the, the cast alone carries this movie like you know i mean it's a world-class film just because of the cast so correct me if i'm wrong this may have been one of the last handful of films that was a high budget for a true monster for a monster movie it was a 40 million dollar budget yeah there's been like i think like mary shelley's frankenstein i don't know if that was 40 million though and then like obviously the 2008 or 9 wolfman right atrocious piece of shit but what you um yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, everything afterwards would probably most likely be sci-fi, right? Yeah. Really, when it true comes mon- to true monster, monster movies, I don't know if there was. There's been another one that was that that was that high up there. I don't think. I mean, for a forty million dollar budget in 1992, is pretty impressive. It ended up grossing, I don't know. I think like two fifteen, two hundred fifteen million worldwide. So made its money back and then some. Got nominated and won awards. Um, you know, Coppola coming off movies like uh, just the most regarded films probably of all time in, you know, the Godfather films and then The Outsiders. Right. And then just like critical darlings like Rumblefish and, and things like that. And then comes out and boldly goes the horror route and covers one of the most iconic horror directors or or horror characters of all time in Dracula. And we get a modern, modern to 92, a modern take on Bram Stoker's Dracula, very close to the novel, more, more so closer to the novel than uh, even the universal monsters Lugosi one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, he takes this movie to very dark places, for sure. And it's... When did you first see this movie? Because, I mean, again, we've said it before, I can't remember exactly when I saw this movie, but I do remember when it was for... to be rented. I remember renting. I remember the huge poster Sight and Sound had, the video store. I remember the huge promotional poster that they had for it. And... I'm not going to lie. I remember I remember running it and I was young, like too young to probably truly understand most of it. So it probably came out to rent in like 93 or something like that. So I'm five. 
But I remember being bored within the first 10 minutes and not really watching it until like maybe a little bit after. But I was still enamored with the movie because Flo's Diner had the pinball machine (laughs) right down the street. Classic. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the first time I actually like caught wind of it or or really watched it was uh, on television somewhere. Like me and my brother caught it somewhere. But, you know, at that time, like you said, I didn't really I paid attention, but also didn't really pay attention. Um, so once I watched it afterwards, uh, I'm not sure if I rented it or watched it at a friend's house and like really absorbed it all. That's when it really, you know, but my, my initial watch, I will say I wasn't blown away by, you know, I was also kind of, you know, early teens or whatever. I didn't really pay attention too much, but that was the first time it really was on my radar was, uh, just catching it on television with my brother. So now I remember the Sega Genesis game. I remember, and I think it was out for like Super Nintendo at the time, and the game sucked too. At least for what I was trying to, because I want like I want you to jump right in with fangs. At least at a younger age, I did. So yeah. I was I wasn't about it um, when I was younger, but I think like I don't know. I want to say like ten, eleven years old is when I like revisited it and like watched it in full with like you know a few more years on me and i was like oh my god this is this is amazing and then you know grew into my teens and it ended up being ends up being you know one of my favorite movies and my personal favorite adaptation of dracula yeah i think initially what i think like watching it as an adult or as you got older i I, at least for me personally I, i i respected it more because of I don't know, like, like I said, like the acting and like really blown away by Gary Oldman and how, and his kind of levels of portrayal of the character. I mean, you kind of see him at all stages. Uh, what, you know, I, I didn't really absorb that stuff at, at a young age really, but, uh, you know, watching it now. And I mean, I rewatched it just recently, like just a, the film is great. I know people have a lot of, they're kind of up and down about how they feel about some of the, uh, you know, the accents and some of the character choices with like Keanu or whatever like that. But I think everybody, it balances out Oldman and Anthony Hopkins put on like world-class performances and it's a stellar movie. And like I said, it's super, super dark uh, and a huge budget for that time, which man is, is so cool to think about. Now, one of the coolest things about the film is that there are no, there's no CGI. And that was at a time you're talking 92, it's getting filmed. And I think they started principal. I want to say in early 91 and I, cause I know they were in pre-production. I want to say in maybe even late 90, but uh, 91 too, like is when the big breakthrough with T2 happened, everybody started using CGI. Now yeah. all, all practical, like the, the Dracula's eyes in the sky is on a projection sheet and this is all all these effects were curate curated by Roman Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola's son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's another thing. Just being a genre fan, uh, special effects in this kind of blow you right away. Like, oh, like I said, with Olden, you see so many different levels of, you know, Vlad to Count Dracula. You know what I mean? Like they show you all phases of him, like as a younger guy, as an older man, like different, you know, as the wolf, as the bat, it's just, it's crazy. The amount of stuff that they throw at you and it all looks awesome. I think it yeah, all looks it's, it's awesome. the most, um, it's the most complete to the novel 
Um, and just being able to get that, like even like the scene where he breaks down into the rats. Yeah, uh, that's that's it's a cool ass scene. Him yeah. looking like the you know the beast. Um, you know, like that gimmick right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just amazing. Like, looks super evil, super, super gnarly, especially for the time. Uh, coming out of the eighties, a lot of that stuff begin began to be a lost art. Is dedicating the time into foam latex and practical effects, and you know, and that's the that's what I you know I really don't think there are many class actors left at class a actors left right um when you think of gary oldman i mean if they were going to do a dracula now they would essentially have to have little to no makeup on them it would all be cgi'd whereas gary oldman one like goes through multiple heavy practical effects uh changes yeah for sure and was just i mean you don't and i think you'll get Maybe, you know, this is talking um, kind of without trying to sound uh, too uh, esoteric about it, but it's, you know, the suffering for the art type thing, you know, does that come out after Gary Oldman spent hours and hours and hours in several different makeups? Like, I feel like maybe an actor like that, especially him, his caliber is is much higher than anybody else. I think that they could have gotten at the time or even even now. Uh, you know, there's a buy-in I think maybe an actor has when he suffers for that. He's not suffering it for nothing, so you're gonna get the best possible performance. For sure, for that sure. And I'm and I'd imagine it helped him uh you know, dive into those characters even more. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. uh all the work that went into creating it, you know, I'm sure it just kind of helps him mentally prepare and get to that place where he needs to get to and uh, to actually, uh, you know, to kill that character because that's exactly what he did. I mean, he now I, I think me and you would both agree that he was a legendary Dracula, like a hundred percent. It's oh, a, yeah. it has a different feel to it, of course, because it, it he just looks and acts a little bit different than the you know the classic Bella or even like you know Christopher Lee or whatever. But yeah, I mean, when I think of Dracula, I think of him and Bella Lugosi. Like I don't think of really anybody else. Yeah, and I think it's cool that he it's his own spin on it, you know what I mean? Like Oh, for sure. It's very original. So well, yeah, well, original, other... original in that it's closer to the book and like Right, right. I think every other, you know, I, the majority of the other Dracula's have drawn their, you know, they're from from Legosi, obviously, like most, you know. And it changed the perception of what Dracula was when you thought of Dracula. When you thought of Dracula before this film, you thought black slick back hair the fucking white thing with the red medallion gimmick and the cape and the whole thing yeah now like it it, i don't necessarily like you can i think that a little bit when you think like halloween costume type thing but uh dracula had like i said in the film like likewise in the original bram stoker's novel has several different looks and this being you know the old the old man crypt keeper type look to you know the younger revitalized vlad version yeah it's it's uh and then like the beast version and then my favorite of the entire i do love like the old man the first one we get where he has like the big crazy 
buns. The hair, yeah. Almost the hair like, is like, on point. Like that's. Uh, I, wonder, I always wonder where they drew like the inspiration for that look, like the hair wise and everything, because it's just amazing. It almost looks like a brand, like a brand. When I was watching it, it's like the front, the two sides, and then the back. It almost looks like a brain or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like really, just kind of. Uh, I, I think they were trying to model it too after that. Uh, that Roman armor too, because that yeah, Roman that, armor kind of has like that. You know what I mean? Which is so- in, when I was a kid, that was boring to me. But when I got older and like watched the opening of that movie, the opening is every every renouncer of gods like it's amazing yeah yeah the opening it, like, is, is awesome i feel and like that, and... i feel like that every morning i feel like i'm stabbing the <laughs> the cross that leads every morning yeah i mean i think that that you know even the very beginning of the film is like some of my favorite scenes just because you kind of it gives you a small insight into why he kind of you know his journey to get to where he got to and the armor the thought behind the armor is so, like that armor looks so awesome. I, I I'm obsessed with that stuff. It's almost like, dude, obviously that, a different time frame, but it's almost like samurai like as well. It's just really so oh, rad. Um, when we get a little further into it, I'll go grab the vinyl so everyone can see. Mondo did the the sound the original soundtrack to it, and uh, they put that on the cover. And I fucking love that they did that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this one. I remember just how it was marketed because I remember I used to don't ask me why and I don't know what it was from. I think I think I got it with like a and we're talking like, I don't know, maybe 95, 96, 97, something like that in that range. Um, I got I had a subscription to Wizard Magazine. Granted, I wasn't into comics. I got it from like I can't remember what I got it from. I got it for something. Um, Gotcha. Uh, I don't remember what it was pertain like how I ended up getting it, but I was getting Wizard magazine. Um, but it had a lot of cool shit in there. It wasn't just like comics, comic related stuff. It had like video games and stuff like that. And I remember the big ad for the art or the the um release of the video game. I remember that vividly. Um, just having like that, like Wizard magazine with that. Uh, in there um, right and that, that made me want to try to get the game and i ended up like running the game from wherever video king or wherever and uh, i remember i remember just being like man this game sucks it's terrible but um <laughs> just like the marketing for it was really cool and the fact that you know flo's diner of all places just had right. like, uh, a pinball machine down there i remember walking in and seeing that thing all the time i can't remember like what years it was in there it was obviously the 90s but uh i remember that so vividly because i thought it was the coolest fucking thing ever yeah that's so right you one of those that? things did you ever go to flows during that era uh i don't know if i did you know I, when i was very young we didn't really go to flows too much so i don't really i don't really remember that to be completely honest with you but but I think it's awesome. It's also just one of those things you're in a small town and you wonder like how and why they probably just got it. They had no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, how does the like, Flo's Diner of all places like <laughs> who, who brokered the deal to get to get like, oh, it's going to probably just uh, there's probably like a magazine where you could like rent a pinball machine and they had like a bunch of new pinball machines in there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, 
Because I think they had Adam's family at one point too. Yeah, the Adam's family was a classic one. The, uh, I got to think that they probably were just like, we need a pinball, and they have a pinball guy, and he's like, yeah, I got a couple, and I'll just bring you one, and they just, I got. They probably didn't even care. It could have been anything. They probably would not have cared. Yeah, there's. I don't even know what were the other pinball options at the time. I don't even fucking. But there was a fucking Bram Stoker's Dracula one. I'd pay for that now. That's for sure. Oh yeah. So they probably still got it in the shed out back. He's probably swing over there and see. Oh, they definitely sold that. They probably been financially low several times since then. Um, so it's cool thinking back to the to them because so this isn't this isn't necessarily like us breaking down the film and going through like every little thing. Like we're we're just kind of talking and spitballing, celebrating thirty years of this thing. Everyone, I mean, it's one of the most classic stories in the world. So we don't need to break down. That Jonathan Harker was, you know, soliciting and coming to Renfield's aid to, uh, right. to broker Dracula's purchase of Carfax Abbey and him finding out that Mina looked just like Elisabetta and the whole yeah. fucking gimmick and he becomes obsessed. And it, this is a love story, uh, which is funny because I always uh, I remember saying that on in high school, there was some stupid like uh like pop quiz like what's like you know it was some stupid like thing where it was like what the one of those bonus questions where there's no wrong answer yeah and i remember saying like they said like oh what's like one of the greatest love novels of all time is like an english class I think it was like the primers or something i was like dracula come on now it's fucking dracula albeit dark still a love story i mean is there anything hey, darker than you know what romeo they and juliet romeo and juliet is dark as shit you know what they say Love never dies. <laughs> um, but what's cool, what I love about this film is the art, like just the everything like we were talking about, the Roman uh the Roman armor armor, the just the aesthetic of the castle, Dracula's look, um, everything. But the artwork with this this shit is my all maybe some of my all-time favorite yeah that that, that that's a iconic man you can remember seeing that when you're young at like oh, video yeah. stores and you just see that everywhere so that's an iconic artwork so to give sure. everyone so to give everyone a little history lesson on the video release of this i think the if i'm not mistaken i think it was 93 or 94 the vhs came out and the vhs cover was this cover and then in 99, they released this version of the DVD, but not this specific one. The one they released in 99 was the keep safe black little strip snap gimmick. Yeah, the worst the packaging worst. they've ever had for any sort of physical media. And then once they, once they released like that Caddyshack, nothing but trouble and a bunch of stuff that was terrible. They're like, oh, let's just release them like this now. So. This is dated as 2005, so at some point I bought this version in 2005, and I bought this new, and I think I spent like a stupid amount of money, uh, like $25 right. for a, a blank DVD, but nice insert. Look at that. That's classic DVD shit right there. A folding insert at that. <laughs> Fans for that time, yeah. Fans. And, of course, the 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 print on the disc, you didn't always get that. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, it used to be just a little text with the you know clear with the text. Yeah, so or just a blank one where it was widescreen, full screen. Right. Never like that. 
And then, so that edition ended up getting put out three or four times. So in 2008, excuse me, 2007, they released this, a collector's edition. Boom, right there. And this was fucking awesome because you get the Roman armor. Uh, yeah, the background there. And the, the original title credits, so not the not the drip one that Winger whip, ripped off. Winger has a logo that they started using in the early 90s that is this. Is there a direct correlation there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that has the original title, uh, opening credit title. Open. Nice. What up, Colleen? Off. There's the hair, see? And then this has just pretty much just like a, a little thing talking about the film and Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. And this is what I love about this one. I, I don't even want to part with this one. This is the DVD version as well. But like the little gold medallion things with Vlad on them. Yeah, they put a lot of effort into that, uh, the packaging for that one. This was the last of the, this was the last of putting efforts into your, the Blu-ray or the DVD making for sure. And look at the back of that. Look at that shit. Yeah, that's tight. And then uh, they've released this on Blu-ray several times uh, with a few different uh, covers. Um, and this is the media book. And do you see that blood drip on there? It's very discreet. Oh, yeah. And then it looks like the book on the, the book, side yeah. is fine. And then just the baddest of asses see that's what i mean i'm glad that they used uh, that picture of this oh yeah most of the most of the time you're not seeing that from the especially since it's a, like the first couple of minutes of the film so and this is just uh like i said this has got a clear this is called a media book for anybody that's unfamiliar so it's got a clear cover and then it has all your little gimmicks uh pictures uh little stuff about the film this is a really cool addition, actually. That one's one of my favorites. Yeah, this one's really awesome. And we're going to give this away. We get more followers. If we don't... We got Colleen and Paul watching here. There we go. That's all we need. Cool little disc with a more art on it. Uh, yeah, this one's sick. Um, So, yeah, just so... There's just so many, like... And now there's a, a 30th anniversary... Uh, steel book that has similar to this cover but it's the actual true original poster art which is black and it's almost like um like a church uh like porcelain ivory bullshit with all the faces of people from the movie like arounding it around right. in a collage and that is actually i mean there's like nine different variations of the cover art and every time i see one i'm like yeah that's my favorite I wonder uh, what goes into choosing when they redo a when they re uh, press or re put out a movie. I wonder what goes into choosing the artwork for it. I wonder it, who makes that decision. There's got to be a team of curators, but with Coppola, I think Coppola, someone like that, I know he's been very hands on with the Godfather trilogy. Anything that was released from the Godfather tr trilogy. He had he was in charge of everything, um, as far as packaging, uh, features, everything like that. So I would imagine he would have some input, but I mean I don't. 
if I had his money, the last thing, actually, if I had his money, I would pretty much be solely focusing on their. I feel like a lot of his films, uh, like, don't really have crazy great artwork, right? Though, am I think am I missing? I something? mean, Outsiders is pretty plain. Yeah, outside. I feel like everything that they've ever done for the Outsiders is just like that group shot and just different variations of it. So, and same with the Godfather. It's the classic puppet gimmick. You know what I mean? The puppet master pulling. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think one of the new Blu-ray releases actually had some pretty sick artwork as far as like, um, like I think one of them may have had like a horse's head, the horse's head like in one of them, like as like the inside art. So not even the cover art though. So gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we did just break down and give like a, a rough, uh, physical history the physical media releases. I don't have the 30th anniversary yet. The 30th anniversary got put out recently this early fall, late summer in steelbook form and then true 4K HD form with the black case and 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 that. And I'm sure, you know, in five years, there'll be another one. And then five years, there'll be another one. But right. uh, that's what's nice. I mean, they love people. They love assholes like me because I own several uh, three copies of this. Yeah, I mean, what there's a lot of films out there that that's one of those films. I mean, that was a big budget film too, so they're probably just going to try to keep pumping money wherever they can. So, I mean, more power to them. I'll keep buying them. I don't give a fuck. Um, but what's like that? What's the scene that sticks out for you in the film? I mean, because there's uh, so many, there's iconic scenes that are like endless. I, it's there's a slew to pick from, but like, what's one scene like if you were going to throw a scene? on a poster if you had to pick one and i'll say that I'll, I'll preface it like that if you had to pick one scene to put on a poster to promote the film but it had to be a scene from the film what what would it be that's tough man i don't know because there's so many different levels of the film i mean i think the beginning when elizabeth is a beth or Betha, like his dad and he's like he's angry i think that could be a cool scene i think when they find him in forgive me but winona rider's character later on her name escapes me but when they find him in her bed and he's in that uh the bat form or whatever that's that would be a good one too when they when they're face to face with him there yeah that would be a great that shit right there exactly that would be a great that would be great actually probably one of those two i mean there's so many iconic scenes from the film so it's really tough um to be honest with you. If I had to, and I don't know why it just uh it always I always thought it was just sicker than dog shit. Just uh when he's cry when he's like breaking down and he's crying as Dracula and he's got that crazy demonic face, but he's crying like purple tears. I thought yeah. that was like the sickest shit ever. Now if you threw that on a poster and put love in cool. eyes, that's fucking amazing. They definitely kept a lot of the stuff sh- shot in this film like a certain colorway too. You know what I mean? Like oh, everything yeah. was like the like the the dark blue, red, purple gimmick. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. Like there's so much that goes into all that, but yeah, I mean they knew what they were doing, like kind of kept to that same scheme. Yeah, just uh it's it's fucking awesome. Um so while you're thinking about what what you would throw on that, what about the fucking cast? I mean, you got Keanu, and I know people have their gripes with Keanu being in this as Jonathan Harker. 
I don't think he does a bad job. You also have to understand that it's Keanu Reeves. It's not like you're not getting. I feel like he's he's very true to himself as an actor. He doesn't overact. He's kind of Keanu Reeves. He's very much like um, Gary Busey playing, you know, Gary Busey. Gary Busey is (coughs) Gary Busey no matter what role he's playing. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, I thought he did a good job. He was obviously hot, you know, hot at that time. He's sufficient. I mean, it's no... He does. Still, he does have that villain. He does have that uh, Ted <laughs> fucking thing where he's still kind of talking like a surfer, but with a British accent, just a little bit. Uh, but I love it. I love him in this. Um, I did see that they were saying like he wasn't that big of a star at the time. Like he was just kind of on, really truly on the rise. I don't right. know if there's any validity to this, or you know, but there was. I read stuff that Johnny Depp was in contention for this. Like they wanted, like they, that was a name thrown out. There was an idea that they thought about running with that would have been really interesting, but regardless, I think Keanu did a great job. Uh, Winona Ryder as Mina fucking amazing. Um, I'm sure. BT. A lot, would... love. a lot of love from BT there. This girl. BT yeah. Was I mean, going to go straight, man. It's Winona. Jesus. Yeah, I mean Anthony, you know Anthony Hopkins is Van uh, Helsing. Like we're, he's obviously world class. Old man. He, he's got like they don't ever like make it super comedic, but like his take on this is pretty fucking funny at times. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Like that's really funny. Carrie Ells, like is in it. Like has a smaller role. Um. Who else was in this? There's just so many. Oh, Tom Waits. Yeah, Tom Waits is uh, Renfield. Renfield. That's a, that's a cool little slide in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this film could have. This film, it like, reminds me a lot. I'm not saying it, they're the same, but this, like, the feel to it because of, like, the cast and what it is. It's like an interview with a vampire type of thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like, um, it's. A mega cast, big with time, like a me- with like a mega budget, and I feel like kind of they went the same. Not not that the films are identical by any means. I just mean like they kind of, uh, you know, maybe the build up for it. Like I think it probably helped both films. Yeah, and Gary Oldman, I feel like had what was he really in before this? Because I can't think of anything he was in before this. Because I mean, he was in the Sid and Nancy movie, which is awesome. Um, but really he popped off a lot after this, like being in, you know, like fifth element, the professional, like all iconic role. Every time that guy's in a role, he just nails it. But yeah, true, true romance. Well, true romance, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of same year too. Yeah. Oh, no. Wait, when did true romance come out? Was that 92? No, it was 93. It was right at, it was after Reservoir Dogs. I, I thought it was. I thought it was after this, but yeah, it is ninety ninety three. That's right. You're the date guy. Yeah, it was ninety three. Um, but yeah, uh, Oldman just I don't know if when we really talk, when we really talk, the greatest actors of all time, one hundred percent has to be on the list. One hundred percent. What's that? Gary Oldman has to be on the list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Greatest I mean, actors ever. 
guy's world class for sure. I mean, he's still doing it too. He's still still killing it. And then you know, I was watching uh, like the roundtable Quentin Tarantino discussion with like uh, some British reporter, but he was talking with Margot Robbie, uh, Robbie, whatever the fuck her name is, um, and Brad, Leo, and Quentin, and mm. they were just kind of sitting there, and I was kind of just kind of like thinking like. There aren't a lot of actors left like Brad and Leo. They're kind of the last of the dying breed of like that era where it was the last clip of younger actors from the like the the 90s that grew into superstar actors that I think are truly talented beyond right. Now there's a handful of people here and there, but I really think they they go one way or the other, and I think Brad can do just about anything, and I truly think Leo can do just about anything. Like in respect, like Kristen Wiig, I love in everything I've seen her in, but I don't think she could pull off some of the stuff that like, you know, I don't think her versatility is there. As someone I love her, I love Kristen Wiig, but I don't know if an actor like that, or even like maybe even John Hamm, uh if we're rolling with bridesmaid cast members, <laughs> uh, like he's an awesome actor. I don't know if his versatility is there because I haven't really seen it. I haven't seen him like stretch the way Gary Oldman can play Sid Vicious, Dracula, a like dreaded out drug dealer in true romance. <laughs> yeah. Like, a and, his, and then the true like, romance character always, always killed me. Yeah. And then play someone with a goddamn from first to last haircut in Fifth Element, <laughs> it's amazing. He does have the swoop haircut in that. Uh, yeah, and then he plays Commissioner Gordon. I mean, the other guys. Just, I mean, I mean, I just well, just to touch on what you're saying about like actors and actresses. I just think the movie star thing is like kind of like it's just kind of everyone's more accessible nowadays. You know what I mean? So I just think it's like dying a little bit. I don't know. You I know just, what I mean? I can't think of any. I really can't like I will. That's where that's where I give like Mia Goth. Like she she blew my balls off in Pearl, and I don't think Pearl's a better film than Axe. I think Axe is a better film, at least my personal taste. But I thought she was she was amazing in Pearl. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think she amazing. should really be considered for like really high end awards it's just not going to happen because of what it is but yeah. yeah i mean a lot of people were usually when you hump a scarecrow on screen you're not getting nominated for much yeah <laughs> yeah probably not i mean the oscars may be frowned upon that but who knows i mean some weird shit has won oscars anyway so it doesn't matter but yeah i don't know getting back to to the film itself i guess uh yeah it's can you think of a scene what that uh, for the cover? Yeah, I, I would just put. I would again. I would just put uh, him, him, and uh, when he's transformed in there. Like I, I just think that'd be a cool cover. Like I don't really have like a, you know what I mean? Like that's really what I would have on the cover. I think that would grab you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's you know this this film comes out does five times its budget, so it. It it rocks the box office enough where it wins awards, um, and it's probably the last time we'll ever see a Dracula film win an award. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, the new one that they're working on, don't they have that one dude from the guest playing Dracula? Or am I thinking? Am I making something up in my head? I don't know. Actually, is he? The only thing I know about is really just uh, 
Nick Cage with that Renfield movie. Uh, what's that kid's guy's name? Dan something, right? From the guest, yeah. What the fuck is his name? Dan something. He'd make it. He'd make a good Dracula, though. It'd be interesting. They'd have to get him a little. They'd have to get him. I don't know. He might be a little too pretty. I mean, a little. You need a little uniqueness. Bigger, bigger nose. (laughs) Dracula's a good-looking guy. What do you mean? He is, but Bella. If you put Bella in front of like Jen, Bridget. Colleen, Tia, and 20 other girls. When Bella was, I think Bella was like in his 40s or 50s when he did that. I was going to say, Bella was probably. How many of them are jumping his bones? That's at different times. Yeah. Bella was probably like 60. Bella wasn't 60. I I think he was in his 40s. Guys were older back then. They got like Christopher Lee and shit. Like, you know what I mean? He was fucking grayed out. So. Christopher Lee was. A slim drink of water, too, though. Well, we got people coming in and out. I'm loving it. We got some can of soda blood popping in and out. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's it's funny because the, the film, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get another Dracula. I think that's going to be as complete as this one. And that's why I think this one's going to, as time goes on, I think it's going to be more and more revered. I don't think, I don't know if. I don't think Hollywood ha- has any desire to kind of donate the kind of time and effort that, say, the special effects had in this uh, to truly making it because they could just be like, well, we can get all this done in, you know, a month's time frame in post just editing everything CGI. Why would we pay an right. entire crew triple what we'd pay for that just to have them work on it? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's like you said, where it's like, you know, where's the real want in it? Like, it's been done before. I can't really imagine. We're in the era of, like, superheroes and uh, Star Wars and stuff like that. I can't... I just don't really see them throwing big budgets at it. I mean, Tom Cruise with The Mummy, although I did enjoy that film, it just didn't really... I still haven't seen it, and I've heard nothing but bad things except for from you. Uh, well, that's just because I'm a Tom Cruise lifer, but... Um, you know, I don't know. Um, it's uh, I just don't see it happening. I don't know, unless some uh, it would take like an actual like actor or actress to really want to step up and play these characters. You know what I mean? You would have to have like, one of them come in and executive produce. You'd need Leo yeah. to be like, listen, I'm executive producer. Almost like how Gosling's trying to do like the the new like a new Wolfman. You know what I mean? Like he's a big fan of those. What's that? Is he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should. Uh, he's like a big fan of those films, and I think he's he wants to play the Wolfman. I'm pretty sure it's like there's a little bit of information on IMDb about it, but you would need someone like that to step up and be like, "Listen, I want to do this. I got these people fine." You'd need something like that. There'd have to be a level of uh, love labor that would have to be dished into a monster movie now, because you're not going to yeah. get a monster movie the way you used to get monster movies. And even in the early 90s, this was a little anomalic for the time, too. Um, very, very, you know, very, a risque, like a very risque film. You know what I mean? Like, it's very... I mean, to be as big uh, as it was and win awards, too. What's that? Be as big as it was, too, and to win awards. Yeah, and, for sure. 
And they tried cashing us too with making De Niro play Frankenstein's monster. Do you remember that? Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, didn't exactly hit the mark. No, it didn't hit make didn't hit the mark like this. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is a weird time for you know those early nineties. They threw they're throwing these huge budgets at him, and it, it's really cool to see like a monster, you know, and a, a classic retelling of a you know a super old story about uh, horror. And uh, it's, it's, it separates itself. Like I said, the way he portrays Dracula, nobody else does it that way. Uh, Gary Oldman's uh, do you think it's world odd, class. Though, do you think it's odd, though, that the fr- there's such a craving for a new Friday the 13th? Like, everyone's always talking about, maybe not so much with Nightmare on Elm Street, but like Halloween. Everyone wants another Halloween film. Even now, like, people are like, well, we still want another Halloween film. Scream, perfect right. example. We go 10 years, 11 years without a new Scream film. We get Scream, you know, the fifth installment of Scream, and they immediately clamored. It did well enough where they're making a sixth one now. Why is there not, why is there a lack of drive for, say, a new Dracula film? A real, a real good one. Not like, I mean, like a mainstream version, not like, you know, for TV or Dario Argento's Dracula version. That came uh, out. I don't know. Maybe nostalgia. You know what I mean? It's just kind of. Well, that's just really what I see it. Like the the demographics of the people who are making the movies. I just think that. I don't know. The stuff that's getting remade is like stuff from their childhood. And when, you know, they remade the Draculas, it was from their. You know what I mean? I just think that's kind of what what's happened. And and also maybe a lot of people just don't want to touch the story because it's, you know, what else can you do with it? Really? But. Well, I mean, you could say that about Michael Myers. They're still making movies 42 years later. Well, we'll see if we'll, if they make any more. But yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It's just, I don't know. I think the monster, I think the monster thing is crazed. I think because people want like something to feel a little bit realistic, like it could possibly happen. Even though like some of those Conjuring movies and Insidious movies are so over the top, like, but people like that, like paranormal. Hey, they're, true. they're true stories. Yeah, well, that's what, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, based on a true story. Uh, they want people like people want like Bridget. Bridget like loves like the paranormal possession shit. Yeah, I I gotta pull like I tried showing her Pumpkinhead three four times. Pumpkinhead yeah, one I mean, of the greatest monster movies maybe ever. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, you know it's all about what people are into. I just think it's so people yeah, either like, like possession bullshit or they like monster. I mean, I like both. Everything goes in waves too. You know what I mean. Like yeah. what? What they I feel like we've been, that waves dipped too deep for too long on monster movies, though. You got to be the guy. You got to be the one. I don't have fucking money or talent to make a fucking film. No, that's what do you mean? I Kevin have no desire. I can honestly say that I would have no desire to make any kind of film. If Kevin Smith could make a film, you could make a film. Well, that's a low bar to clear, and I love Kevin Smith, but even he would agree. Low bar to clear. He would agree. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully someday we see a... I don't know. Do you even really want to see... What's the sense? We have the originals. I finally met Duck and Regeer from Monster Squad. Do we really need anything else? I mean... I mean... Maybe. I mean, give me a new story. A new take on Dracula that isn't necessarily called Dracula. Just an emperor fucking vampire named Doug. I don't know. Remember that movie that came out a couple years ago too? Uh, 
well, a couple of years ago, it's probably Dracula Untold. They tried to do that, like, kind of oh, origin awful. story. Awful. Yeah, I mean, I wanted that to be. When that was coming out, I, I was like, man, this could be cool, but. It was awful. They dropped the ball. Uh, anyway. I gotta, I do gotta mention, though, I loved this film before I found 18 Visions, but I do love the 18 Visions. One sampled, like, several different scenes from this for yesterday's time killed their first unofficially official first release and also did merch with like the the uh i don't know what you want to call it the like cement gargoyle gimmick there they put that on, they put that on a shirt in like 2004 did they that's sick yeah, um, yeah i mean obviously you know just to touch back on the film like they I mean, you see uh, Dracula's a, a super popular story, probably the most famous of the original oh, monsters. Yeah, well, and, I mean, uh, that, Wolfman might be right under it or level with it, but Drac- I feel like you say Wolfman, like some people may not immediately know like Lon Chaney. Like, and yeah, right, right, right. Wolfman. You say Dracula, someone might not be able to say, an average, your average, you know, dog walking on the street might not be able to say. Bella Lugosi. Doug would be Doug. <laughs> imagine a new Dracula film, but his name's you know Doug. Would that font? I get it. You got to write it. You got to write it. Um. Yeah. Anyway, what's great about this film is it 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 sets itself apart from everything else, in my opinion. And it's 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 great. And I highly suggest if anybody is listening. Uh, you know, we got one person listening on the live stream, so that's great. But if anybody, yeah. <laughs> hasn't seen it definitely check it out because it's a lot of fun yeah yeah amazing uh did you so it had one original song for this and it's annie lennox singing it love for a vampire um from the rhythmics annie lennox yeah okay it's on the end credits awesome fucking song yeah i mean i had it i was playing i watched it while at work and the the film ended and that was playing uh just kept playing and I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't I didn't know that that was the correlation of uh, the Arrhythmics and, and that's who that was. But. Yeah, and Annie Lennox, uh, now Hall of Famer as the Arrhythmics just got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, but they're letting, no offense to the Arrhythmics, but they're letting everyone in there. Oh, yeah. What's, yeah. The, what's the Arrhythmics, like, big song? What's it called? Well, Sweet Dreams. It, yeah, Sweet Dreams, that's there. But yeah, also, yeah. Would I Lie to You? What's that? Would I Lie to You? That was a hit. I mean, maybe I'll listen to her. Would I, I mean, to you? Yeah. I uh, mean, <laughs> Missionary wasn't necessarily a hit, but uh, I think Marilyn Manson's version might be better. Of would I lie to you? Did he do that? No, oh, of no, Sweet no. Dreams. I mean, that's what made it. That's what popped him off, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think. Anyway. Well, anyway, what what do you think as we wrap this up? What do you think the the legacy is of this film? I mean, I, it's living on. Obviously, thirty years later, we're still getting uh, new releases of it. The Steel Book, uh, I want to pick up. Um, but well, I was gonna say, I think that speaks volumes with how many different versions they keep putting out of it. So it must be selling. Uh, you have actors in it who you know are still acting to this day. Um. You know, nostalgic for a lot of people in our age group as well. They were coming out in the early '90s. So a lot of us born a couple of years before that. So, I mean, I, I I put it in the class of almost above horror. You know what I mean? Just because of the acting yeah. as well. Like it's kind of 
it's kind of uh, one of those where it, it's definitely a horror film, but it's also got enough of a lot of other things in it to stretch outside of the realms of just one genre. Exactly. And like I said, the acting takes that to another level and the budget and, and, and the star power. So like, a uh, you know, an interview with a vampire, it's the same thing for me. Like it's, it's like a step above or something. So yeah. For sure. And not necessarily above, but just a step wider to the left or to the right to make it kind of outreach outside of the genre. Yeah. It's not the New York Ripper. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. No. There's no toe. There's no toe sex in it. But yeah, with that said, we're going to wrap up here. But 30th anniversary of Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. If you have not seen it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, this was cool. Just kind of talking and celebrating the film and just sure. the wildness of it and all the everything that had to do with it. So yeah, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Hargat Media and listen to us on Spotify and our host site of Anchor and Apple and wherever the hell else you listen to podcasts. So thanks everyone. <laughs> Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Colleen for being here since uh, the first minute, sticking around the whole time, being active too, active talking, I love it, love it. Love it.